Welcome to the Paradise Paradox. My name's Kurt Robinson. Hey, my name's Aaron Battle. So today we're talking about MK Ultra, the CIA government, US government mind control operation from the 60s and 50s, using LSD to manipulate people, seeing if they can publicly discredit figures who they don't want speaking out against them or the US government. I don't take drugs. I am drugs. <laughs> Which drugs okay. are you on? And do you know about it? Salvador Dali was apparently a <laughs> CIA yeah, 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 operative. Yeah. Now we know. Uh, <laughs> hey, uh, who can paint that well? I mean, you need to be CIA to paint outside the lines. <laughs> Jackson Pollock was actually funded by the CIA. You know that? No, I, I didn't know. That's a that's a fact. Um, that's cool. So we talk about we talk about mind control, uh, mind control in the media, and the historical precedent. Is it still relevant today? And how might they affect public figures or whistleblowers or other people who could be a threat to their institutions? What are you drinking? What are you watching? What are you reading? Are you controlling your own mind? Yeah, or are you being manipulated by our dark overlords? the United States government. What we learn is make sure you don't say anything too important. Otherwise, you'd be, <laughs> you'd be wearing a dress. Yeah, you can put a target on yourself. Yeah. All right. Uh, so let's get right into it. Welcome to the Paradise Paradox. My name is Kurt Robinson. And my name is Aaron Battle. So today we're, we're talking about mind control, specifically mind control by the Central Intelligence Agency of the United States government, their project known as MK Ultra. Is that what CIA stands for? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what it stands for. So, um, the yeah, M MK Ultra was a project from the CIA uh, in the the fifties and sixties, and the some some of the experiments they had a, a range of goals. One of them in particular, which I found interesting, was to discredit public figures by. Uh, making them think illogically, um, subjecting them to Im impulsiveness. So manipulating these people so they would destroy their own careers or, or destroy their their own um, public appearances. So um, to everybody, they looked crazy, which on its face, maybe um, it doesn't appear that relevant uh, today. But then um, when I see cases like David Shaler or Karen Hodes, uh, whistleblowers. David Chandler is a whistleblower from MI5, and Karen Hodes is a whistleblower from the World Bank. And uh, they, when they came out blowing the whistle, uh, they said some stuff which which seemed to make sense. But then um, over time, they seem to be making more and more wild claims. And I wonder how they've been affected. Um, if somebody has been uh, manipulating them somehow in order to discredit them. Yeah, it's very concerning. Yeah. It's uh, because these characters made a big jump from being credible, credible sources of information. Mm. And then all of a sudden they're talking about aliens and um, God. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So <laughs> we'd look at where the experiment started. So a, a lot of... The experiments for MK Ultra involved drugs. So, for example, one um, intravenous drip will be led into one arm of the subject uh, with barbiturates, that is downers, and uh, the barbiturates would would be entering into this person's system. On the other arm, they would have an intravenous drip of amphetamines, and when the person was on the edge of falling to sleep, then the amphetamines would kick in and this subject would start babbling incoherently. But sometimes the, the, the interrogators could make some sense out of it. And this was 
in theory, going to be used as a technique to interrogate Russian spies to see how much, how many secrets they could extract from the subject. So they're trying to perfect torture. Well, solution. You based. you could call it torture, but I mean the thing about torture is. Uh, it's normally based on pain. This wasn't exactly based on pain. It was more based on psychological manipulation uh, using drugs and other methods. Yeah, but I mean, they they achieve what they want to achieve by getting information out. Yeah. Or, I don't know, why else do they want to do that to somebody? Mm, uh, well, to... Uh, there are a whole, a whole bunch of reasons why they would want to do it to somebody. Um, so I mentioned like that, like discrediting them in public. If they, if you can get this person to behave crazily, then people are just going to ignore them. But also, yeah, to to extract the information as a spy, also to possibly turn somebody into a double agent. See, the interesting thing was uh, looking at the, the, I guess the, the findings and what they were trying to achieve mm. with the with these studies. Yeah. we're talking about like long-term effects or prolonged or or complete changes of like you know i'm not you're saying get them to act a little crazy yeah from now on like (laughs) these people don't go back to being normal that's a a scary part about all this because they really messed them up yeah possibly uh if if that's really what's what's happening in the cases like with david shaler and karen hodes uh, yeah, so so that was one of the experiments with the uh, amphetamines and barbiturates. Another one was uh, using LSD. And so it, it started out that they would experiment on themselves uh, and like volunteers within the agency uh, would sit in a room and they'd both be really high on LSD and they would um, take notes and observe each other and see what was going on. But then later the the... Somebody in the agency decided that wasn't sufficient. They actually needed to know what would happen if somebody was drugged without their knowledge. And so naturally, to drug someone without their knowledge, well, you you almost need to forego consent. So firstly, what they, they started to do was they were drugging agents within their own agency on the Wikipedia article, it describes this as an occupational hazard, which is a, a really nice way of saying it. Like you, you go to work in the morning, have your morning coffee, and you don't know how much LSD or if LSD is going to be slipped into your coffee. That makes things interesting. Uh, maybe they had a buddy system. You've got to take care of your mates. But, yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe that means your mates are the ones that are taking care of you. <laughs> you know, how many sugars did you put in your coffee that morning? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, because, don't, t- don't take the brown sugar. I mean, yeah. I've, I've been in workplaces where other employees, fellow employees, have, have been high on, on acid, LSD. Um, yeah. The, the whole time they're working. It's a fun, not fun workplace. And yeah, I mean, it's, you know, you're, you're aware and they're aware, so it's not a big deal. Right. But I mean, not being aware and then seeing someone come at you all crazy like, <laughs> so happy to see you, um, perhaps. Yeah. Well, in, in one case, one of the agents like ran out, I think this is in Washington, D.C., he, he ran out of the building and he, he just started running all the way across town and in every single car there was a monster like trying to eat this dude. So, yeah, it's not exactly the greatest workplace environment. Uh, <laughs> then later they started experimenting on civilians. So so in one case, like in the, the earliest one, they set up a bunch of brothels uh, or front brothels and they would get the prostitutes to administer LSD to the John. And so behind this this mirror of course they were actually looking through and seeing how the john would act and uh watching what kind of mm, strange behavior he he would um undergo so uh presumably the the idea was that that these people would be so embarrassed that they went to a brothel and and uh started to turn crazy that they wouldn't tell anybody but um, in subsequent experiments, they got more and more bold and, and, and to the point they would just um, meet people at a cafe and, and say, hey, uh, how's it going? And slip, slip them some LSD and see what happened from there. And see, with the, with the brothels, I can understand 
them doing that to politicians or you know certain people of mm. of, of high level in society mm. where perhaps they could blackmail them or, or use information against them for particular moves but yep. um but just random people in public or the public as a as a mass unit mm. is uh, i mean that, that's that's more concerning because they it's more than just the motives of you know what can i achieve with this one person but how does it affect a larger group mm. Mm. Yeah, how does it affect the entirety of society? And, like, and what can they use that for? I don't know. That, that, <laughs> that attracted my attention more because, um, you know, mass psychological manipulation or propaganda was other experiments that they, they took part of. You know, they, they, they did this to the public without them aware. And then, hmm. I mean, you pose a question. How, how far did they go? And these experiments, uh, they all finished, right? Who knows? Uh, well, after Project MKUltra got shut down, uh, it was reopened under the name Project Monarch. And I, I haven't done too much investigation into that period, so I don't know. Uh, I mean, officially, it's probably not open, but this is, this is what happens because the thing is, in the beginning, the project was extra legal and illegal and they did it anyway. So if it gets banned, well... Why does that matter? It was bad from the beginning. <laughs> Nothing's changed. <laughs> yeah, when, when I think about those kind of experiments, um, I mean, you might have heard of Rick Doblin. Rick Doblin. Uh, Doblin. Doblin. No, what's his story? He, uh, he's a guy that's working with uh, MAPS, dedicated his whole life to mm. MAPS, which is a multidisciplinary association for psychedelic studies. Okay. And uh, researching his story... And to see all the bullshit that he's gone through with his court cases and escalation of, of ratings for MDMA in particular. Mm. And then uh, knowing that, that the CIA has been doing all these studies, probably has all the information, all the results, all the experiments have been done <laughs> 30, 40 years ago. And, and then you got you know, the information that could possibly be good or useful um, isn't released or hidden or well, archived. a lot of it was destroyed. So they have a in a public domain or in the uh, under the Freedom of Information Act, twenty thousand documents relating to MK Ultra were released. But the vast majority of the documents were destroyed, and the only reason these twenty thousand documents were released is because they were misfiled. Uh, they were put in a financial records warehouse as opposed to a regular records or, or experiment records warehouse and um, so because of that when the documents were ordered destroyed these financial records well these misfiled records were overlooked and that's the only reason that anybody knows anything about mk ultra really um, mishap yeah yeah <laughs> yeah and yeah, so if that hadn't happened, this this could have been a, a cover-up. And it's kind of funny because, you know, people always say, ah, what, you expect the government to, to keep anything secret for that long? Well, if MKUltra hadn't been misfiled, it probably still would be a secret. So, yeah, I, I would say, yeah, it's, you know, it's more or less possible for, <laughs> for a government to maintain a secret, yes. Crazy conspiracies. Crazy happened. conspiracy. Well, crazy conspiracy theory. No, this is this is a conspiracy. It's not just a theory. There's a lot of data to back this up. Yeah, it happened. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a concerning happening. Yes. <laughs> is that your new term for conspiracy theory? Uh, a yeah, concerning no, happening. It's a concerning happened. It's not a, it's not a conspiracy theory. But, you know, if you're going to call it conspiracy theory, that's that's cool. You know, whatever you want. <laughs> I guess we won't be discussing it today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, so, yeah, so, the, so they, they did the thing with brothels. They were giving it to civilians without the knowledge. Um, people were assuming that they were going crazy. Uh, they gave it to one fellow, the name of Frank Olson. He was actually an agent, a CIA agent. 
And uh, so everybody knows this kind of urban myth that, that um, people say, oh, well, if you go on LSD, then you're going to assume you can fly and you're going to jump out a 13th story window. Well, uh, I, I don't know for sure, but I, I suspect that the root of this story is actually Frank Olson. Because what happened to Frank Olson was he was um, doped on LSD by his colleagues and a forensics record released in 1994 showed that what actually happened to Frank Olson was he was knocked unconscious and then pushed out the window. He didn't get high on LSD and say, oh, I can fly and, and jump out of the window. So it's very different to what um, the populist story is. But that, that story is only popular because that happens to many young teens every year, correct? <laughs> I don't know. I've never seen any evidence of that. Either have if I. It, <laughs> if someone can present it up, I would be interested. Yeah. So, okay. So now I'm asking the question, why would they want to dispose of him that way? Like, uh, so he was going to, he, he had access to a lot of information and I assume like if if there was some logical motivation behind this action of knocking him out unconscious and throwing him out a 13th story window, if there was any rationale behind it, I assume it's because Frank Olson was considering becoming a whistleblower or he was considering releasing information, perhaps information relating to MKUltra or other programs to the public, which wouldn't be good for the CIA at all and... Uh, so they would want to stop it. So, Yeah, it was too early in the game. They weren't able to poison the well at all. There was no way of, mm. of uh, I guess, painting the picture that, you know, this, this is just craziness and yeah. none of this really happened. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <sighs> yep. So... Then, uh, yeah, they were also giving LSD to heroin addicts in exchange for more heroin. So they'd bribe them with drugs to take drugs, uh, which today it's, it seems kind of bizarre because I'm sure there are a lot of people who would willingly take LSD for free, uh, you know, sponsored government plan. But um, another, another person who took it consensually was Ken Casey, uh, the the author, the famous author, writer of uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, which of course got made into the movie with Jack Nicholson. So, well, we're, we're painting this whole picture like you know these drugs are, are bad, and mm. the and the research that they the findings were never mm. really used or good for anything. But I mean, it's pretty common knowledge that that a lot of the big guys in design and innovation. Um, like, how did I forget his name? The Apple guy. Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs. He was known. He was known for, for his drug use. Right. It was quite open. That, that's what helped him design or see, I guess, the future. <laughs> yeah, well, the, the discoverers of DNA were also high on LSD at the time of their discovery, or at least one of them was, yeah. Um, it's like as if um, as if this was available and open for people without the you know without the, the negative uh, you know the harsh overtone of of drug use. Yeah. Perhaps if it was more open, um, then it wouldn't have to be so, um, I guess, taboo. And mm. if people were willing to you know explore these new realms and uh, you know go to the, the legwork. And then come back with new ideas, and it's really up to them or the the market to decide whether they want to absorb this stuff or not. Yeah, don't, don't you think? I mean, yep. I just I just don't understand why they had to keep it so secretive. Mm. Well, because I mean, because they were doing secret spy stuff, and they wanted to give it to people without their consent, and and uh, try try to mess with people. Then. Yeah, they basically deliberately wanted to try to mess with people to see how far they could push the envelope. That's how it seems. Yep. And, yeah, it's... Yeah, I think it goes well beyond the CIA's mandate, even if you overlook the illegal activities, because the CIA is supposedly only supposed to operate in foreign countries. But, you know, that apparently that went out the window um, well before Frank Olson did. 
And <laughs> <laughs> well, who comes up with these rules? Who and you know who can fly and who can't? <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm going to uh, go to the appeals court to see if I can get the law of gravity overturned, or yeah. at least a passport. <laughs> All right. So with the case of David Shaler, David Shaler was an MI5 operative and after he retired or he left MI5, he decided to start releasing some records and, and start talking publicly, um, specifically about 7-7, that is the, the bombing in the London Tube, and about 9-11. And so he was talking about how um, 9-11 might be an inside job or there was more to the story. Um, the, you know, he had a lot of questions about it and perhaps he was privy to some uh, confidential information. Now, what happened to him was uh, suddenly he decided to start wearing a dress, which is, you know, it's not my business to judge who, who wears a dress and who doesn't. That's not such a big deal on its own. But um, then he started proclaiming that he was... Um, some kind of last Zion. So he was kind of a, a last uh, spiritual descendant of Jesus Christ or the line of David or so, some something uh, rather odd like this. And it's interesting to listen to his interviews too because even though um, the subject matter of what he's saying is um, a little bit bonkers, um, he's also, at the same time, he's very lucid. And um, I, I had to pause and think, is this guy having, uh, is this guy completely nuts or is he actually having some kind of weird spiritual breakthrough that I don't understand? Uh, and I, I did see him quoted later, which I, I haven't actually found any um, footage or, or any um, audio clips of him actually saying this. But what's he, what is quoted as saying in the media is normally, I am Jesus, I'm the reincarnation of Jesus, or I'm, the, I'm Christ, I'm, I'm back, and, and uh, um, you know, much more excessive claims than what I've actually, with my own ears, heard him saying. Well, that, that level of, of consciousness, you say that he, he says this quite openly, yeah, yeah, quite matter-of-factly even. He, he knows this. He believes it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, he, he sounds genuine. But some people would um, some people will say, ah, oh, well, what, what David Shaler is doing, he's trying to pull this kind of David Icke and, and make people think he's cool because he's going, going um, making these very extravagant claims or he's trying to become a cult leader. Uh, people, of course, that people do exactly what you would expect them to do if you're involved in uh, intelligence operations to d discredit him. People do exactly <laughs> what you would want them to do. So if, if it is indeed uh, a uh, covert ops project, then it certainly worked. <laughs> so you're, you're saying that, that his personality change or beliefs mm. or spiritual basis yeah. Yeah. has changed because they they are trying to discredit him. I couldn't say that. I don't have uh, any evidence to to back that up, other than circumstantial evidence. That's that's the only kind of evidence I have. So it really is a speculation here. Uh, I I can't say like. Yeah, I, I can't say for sure that anybody is, has given him LSD or some other combination of drugs uh, to try to give him some weird transformation or, or you suggested maybe what they would do would, would be apply this secret cocktail of drugs and then there would be someone there who he trusted who was um, whispering in his ear and telling him, hey, how about this, David? You know, consider this idea or... Or maybe bringing him under hypnosis, or some some combination of these techniques. Yeah, I well, he's committed to it. He's a hundred percent committed to his new his new direction. Yeah. So it's like who's massaging these ideas into his brain, or at least giving him like the thumbs up, like you, you're you're okay. Because I mean, if you if you go from being a an agent, you know, like a formal agent mm. with a with a workplace and with missions and tasks and objective. To being a squatter wearing a you know short skirt and, <laughs> and hanging out with four random dudes that look 
fairly normal. Yeah. Um, you know, you begin to wonder, like, there's got to be some kind of critical point of view inside yourself that says there's been a drastic change here. <laughs> Am I still okay? <laughs> like, I'm just assuming that if I did that, there'd be, there'd be people around me going, yeah, man, you're cool. <laughs> you're fine. <laughs> I would think, I would hope so. Mm. And then you begin to wonder, well, who are these people? Mm. Like, you showed me the picture of like the, the house that he's squatted in and, yeah. and, and his team. Yeah. His team. There's something going on there. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, it seems a little weird. And, and uh, his, his girlfriend left him and, and she said, you know, he's, he's an upstanding guy. Like he, he's an honest, straight up dude. But someone has manipulated him. And she specifically says the government has done something to him. And, you know, she's in one of the best positions to know if something like that was happening. So I didn't, I haven't really followed his, well, I never began to follow his story until, until you brought the latest craziness to my attention. Yeah. But with the information that he's bringing forward, was he, was he coming, was like, he was he hitting some good points? Uh, I, I don't know. I haven't heard that much. I mean, I, I've listened to so, so much uh, crap about nine eleven over the years, and it all kind of just blends together. Mm. So I don't know. Um, I, I have to check it out some more and review it. Um, so yeah, and then the other case was Karen Hodes, the whistleblower. Well, everything that she was saying in yeah. regard to the, the mishappenings in the, you know, the World Monetary Fund and international banks and the conspiracy for who's controlling what yep. uh, and all the corruption that was going on in between mm. and just the way the whole system is set up, mm. um, that was all fine yep. until she mentioned, what, alien bloodlines. Aliens, yeah, aliens, just, uh, yeah, some David Icke type stuff talking about how aliens run the world and well, I still buy <laughs> it came out of nowhere. Like, yeah. you know, I, I still entertain the idea because I've mm. got no idea whether that's a, a possibility or not. Yeah. But um, when did th- when she take it too far? Like, do you, well, where, what was, okay, she's talking about aliens running the world and how, <laughs> and how they, they, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know. I don't understand why aliens would want to control the whole financial system. And, well, and we, we don't know anything. Like, you, you can't come up with any... Uh, assumptions about aliens motivations because they're fucking aliens nobody knows what they would want to do <laughs> so she checks out <laughs> i i don't know i'm not saying that uh i, I have no idea <laughs> i mean it's it's interesting i mean if if <laughs> if the rest of the points are valid maybe that uh deserves some investigation as well well for me it's fascinating <laughs> I, I enjoy hear, hearing her uh, interviews about yeah, that. But all, all of a sudden, I don't hear much from her anymore. Mm. So again, you got you got to realize, you know, you're going to to international advertising, in, in, mm. international media, mm. and you're telling the world that aliens are running the banks. Yeah, just on RT, you know, letting it loose. I'm <laughs> for that. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> Watches again at the Paradise Paradox. Watch us on YouTube, like us on Facebook. Watch us on YouTube, like us on Facebook. Tweet us on Twitter and listen to us on iTunes or Pocket Casts. So, aliens control the financial system. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about that. I, I wonder about that too because uh, with uh, in terms of David Icke, because Dave, David Icke is a writer and he has this theory about how uh, reptilian overlords or some alien species or alien hybrids, alien-human hybrids, uh, control the Earth. And he actually had a, an experience which is some, somewhat similar to what we're describing with David Shaler and Karen Hodes. Uh, so about 20 years ago, uh, David Icke, I think he was a footballer originally and then he was a sports reader and um, one, one day he just decided that, uh, that it was all kind of nonsense and, and he started talking about very different things. Uh, he started talking about spiritual concepts. Again, with David Icke, people were claiming that he said he was God 
or the Son of God, or that he was Jesus Christ, or something like that. But again, I've never actually heard those words come from his lips. So I wonder why people just, you know, I guess they over-sensationalize these things. Um, but uh, yeah, the thing was, he he had some kind of weird experience, and he, that's when he quit his job and he started um, exploring the world and, and searching for some new meaning and some new spiritual truth. Well, in his early interviews, when he mm. first starts coming out with this, yeah. he, he's aware that he sounds completely bonkers. Yeah. You know, he, he, he says that. He goes, this sounds crazy. Mm. But uh, he explains it in a way that is almost like this voice, his own voice, mm. started talking to himself in his own head. Mm. And he says, you have to get this message out. Mm. And he yeah. he believed his message was bigger than himself, and had some some truth, or so you know, it was valid. So I guess I mean, but that doesn't seem that unnormal for people to just wake up one morning and say, you know, I want to do something else in my life, something more meaningful. Yeah. Although this is a little bit further out there, <laughs> just a little bit. Was he right about the lion sleeps, the moon matrix? Like this is all mind-controlled stuff as well. <laughs> okay, yeah. I mean, that, that's what he talks about, the, the frequencies coming, well, like, like the energy frequencies that are coming from, uh, from Saturn reflected through the moon and how that controls all of us. Okay. So uh, I, I don't know what that's got to do with mind control exactly, but it's, it's the same aliens that, that, that are running the banks. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, I I've never you know met a CEO of the World Bank or anything like that. But, <laughs> no, but well, the difference, yeah. Oh, I mean, it's just it's interesting that now Karen comes out and saying a similar thing. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know. I mean, you, you join the dots between David Icke and, and Karen. Okay, so we'll fill in, <laughs> we'll take what David Icke has written and, and take what Karen Hodes has said and, and try to figure out uh, what the similarities are between them. Or, Well, it's just, um, okay, we can both say these people are crazy. Like, it's easy to say the two of them are, you know, these two predominant figures yeah. have lost their mind. But, I, I, well, I think that's... I, I don't think that leads us any further to the truth because, again, they do seem very lucid. I mean, especially David Icke. You can tell that he's a, a rational guy. Uh, he's he's not like some wacko and the, and the stuff that he writes and the stuff that he says make even, say, well, they make much more sense than, uh, for example, like uh, what a lot of economists say. They make more sense than something like... L. Ron Hubbard's Dianetics, uh, like exceedingly more sense than, than, than that book. Uh, and uh, he's, he's got like obviously very or rather analytical uh, in the way that he examines the economy and uh, all sorts of things going on in the world. So to call him crazy, I, I think that would, that would be a complete misnomer. He's, he's definitely not crazy. Yeah. So would it have been better if he left the reptilians out? <laughs> I I don't know. Uh he well he always says like people urge him to leave the reptilians out. His friends say, "Look, you've got so much good stuff here and if you just left the reptilians bit to the side, then uh people would understand your message." And he said, "No, this is actually very important that I put this bit in because this is what it all comes down to." Uh Alex Jones used to call him a turd in the punch bowl because he talked about so much interesting stuff and then dropped that big turd, that big old turd of the reptilians in there and nobody wants to listen to him anymore. So I'm wondering if the same thing's happened to Karen. What, that Karen is a turd in the punch bowl? What, no, do, you, no. what do you mean? <laughs> no, that Karen's turd in this case would have been the, the alien talk because prior to that... yeah. Well, that, yeah, that's what, that's what I'm saying, like about MK Ultra, because if, if that's the, that's the idea. If if MK Ultra was active on Karen, then the idea would be dis to discredit everything she's saying. That would be the plan. Yeah. Yeah. You see, the, the other examples where where this seems to be pretty predominant is like with with artists hmm. and, uh, and and Hollywood actors and all that. You 
I don't think that's the same thing. Like, I, I don't okay. think when, for example, they talk about, um, I mean, Miley Cyrus or um, Britney Spears and how there's like a, a, a possible personality split. And a lot of people jump to pointing fingers, well, I mean, articles online to say that there's, there's a, some kind of MK Ultra or mind control or, you know, these are android humanoids and they're not exactly real people. And that's why we can see this split. Well, I mean, that was a family guy. <laughs> All right. So your main source of information is from family. <laughs> you heard no, it first. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, well, we, they can say, they can use the same example and say, you know, this is like the Illuminati with their mind control. But mm. I, don't, I don't think it is. I think these are just unfortunate cases where people are. I don't know. We were, we were watching a video before and this guy was analyzing Britney Spears' lyrics and he's, he's saying, look at this. Here, what she, he's, she's saying voodoo and that actually means electroconvulsive therapy. Well, there were some actual interesting things in that video, but uh, to analyze their lyrics, I mean, to me, that looked like uh, like the kind of thing Charles Manson was doing with Beatles' lyrics, interpreting them as something they were really not <laughs> uh and uh, the other thing is i don't even think britney writes her own songs so that's so far removed from reality uh well that, that, goes really... for, that goes for all the actors i mean who designs their their set or who films their, their video clips i mean there's no i'm not yeah. saying for all of them but i would say the majority of of big stars don't design every single little detail of their video clip and no. put their lyrics together and no. even choose what they wear. Yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. So. But that, that's not to say that they're not manipulated at some level. Yeah, well, uh, we brought up that quote from Lauren Hill the other week where she's saying that uh, the stars are manipulated, they're even um, experienced, they, they're given the experience of drugs to try to stop them realizing their true power. And I, I would believe that has a, a lot to do with the music industry because, well, for, for so long, uh, big pop stars have kind of been screwed and given bad deals. And, and uh, like you can read the, um, this article which Courtney Love wrote about 15 years ago talking about how uh, the the music industry works and how you're given this recoupable advance, which then basically means the, um, the record label provides you all the services, overcharges you for them, puts you in debt for them, and then you have to live on the scraps what, after your record sales and you recoup all the costs. So, <laughs> so it's obviously like that's not entirely... Uh, mutually beneficial transaction uh at least not if the artists were could see the entire case could see the entire facts clearly and and had complete information but usually by the time they get that far along and and they have made their their perceived success mm. they're usually too tied into contracts or they've been taken to a brothel or two mm-hmm <laughs> <laughs> or uh, LSD, is that what you're saying? Well, it's, I'm not saying that didn't happen. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just saying if you're if you're caught okay. in if you're caught in a contract, yeah, and it's definitely not working out your way, you either fight it or you choose to stand down, depending on on what you're facing. Hmm. Like I think there's probably a lot of actors or artists that are, are caught in a in a tough situation, just due to, due to you know the circles they've been hanging out in. And, and, you know, friends that may not be so friendly at certain times. Hmm. And all of a sudden, you, you know, you, you're stuck playing the game and you need to shut up and keep going along with it. Hmm. But is, is that just the nature of the, the industry or... Or is it CIA manipulation? CIA agents in the music industry. We've got the, <laughs> we've got the exclusive up next. Uh, <laughs> or, or aliens. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm aliens, sure aliens, aliens in the CIA fight together. Uh, Predator comes in. He's hiding behind the scenes at the, the Gorillas concert. Uh, you don't want to pick a fight with that guy. <laughs> but I mean, yeah. okay, that, that doesn't change the fact that there's. I mean, that they 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 put all this symbolism and crap. I mean, we touched on it in the last 
podcast with like Illuminati stuff. But yeah. I, I look at that like a big distraction. Okay. Yeah. 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 Well, like I, it's, I think um, that's valid. And I think they, they like using things like, you know, MK Ultra because mm. it's, it's like another selling point. It's like, you know, there's, you know, another artist has been, another artist has fallen to uh, possible MK Ultra. And it's like, it's, it's perfect because you've got people that are into that thing that are going to be checking that out and, you know, absorbing that as well. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Would you, you're saying, okay. So this is kind of what you're proposing. Like there's a, there's a normal um, everyday level of propaganda, which we get of mainstream media. And then there's, there's a second level of propaganda, which is for, for when you dig a little deeper and you start, instead of um, saying, Oh, look what Britney's done to her hair. You say, Oh, Britney's under control by MK Ultra, and that's just another level of the same type yeah, of nonsense. Yeah, you can sensationalize it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but then, but then the other the other level would be to say that you know there's there's control over the whole thing, and some some kind of puppet masters running the whole show. Um, and then then you got like you know why there's so much, um, I guess. We didn't. I mean, now we're moving towards like brainwashing the the, the public or you know mass mm. control because, I mean the the MK Ultra studies. I mean there was like 140 so 150 studies over you know 10 years that they were running this thing and and a lot of the information is lost. So about 20 years, 22 years that they were running MK Ultra. Uh, another case which I wanted to bring up about about the brainwashing is a case of a fellow named Dr. Cameron. And he was a psychiatrist in Canada. And unknowingly, he contracted with a CIA front organization and they wanted him to start performing these experiments. And so people would come in with maybe minor maladies, um, mental maladies uh, like anxiety or, or something like that. And he would get them committed and then he would subject them to this this. Uh, course of electroconvulsive therapy using 30 to 40 times the regular amounts of power. And I don't think he used many drugs in that experiment, but maybe that's a possibility as well. But what happened to some of these people, and you can um, even see interviews with some of them if you look on YouTube, uh, what happened was they experienced complete amnesia like severe amnesia, so severe, and not like in the movies like The Born Identity, how he still knows how to shuffle a pack of cards, but complete. So they were incontinent. They couldn't speak. Uh, maybe couldn't even walk. Uh, they had no idea who they were, of course, and, and uh, no idea about their lives. And so then... <laughs> Uh, when they were, you know, when a woman was returned to a husband and she would just say, you know, who are you? I, I don't know. Well, when, when she could learn to talk, she would say that. <laughs> and, yeah, this is some pretty pretty uh, severe shit that went Sick. down. Yeah, and this Dr. Cameron, he was the chairman at the time. He was the chairman of the World Psychiatric Association. And... I'm, I'm rather critical of the psychiatric industry sometimes and I have to wonder, does this show some sort of reflection of the roots of the psychiatric industry uh, that it's, well, there, there are definitely roots if you go back further and look up the mental asylums from hundreds of years ago that basically just, um, just drill dungeons. Nails. Yeah, sorry? Just, yeah, torture and, and dungeons and yeah. nailing things into people's faces just yeah. to see, you know, what happens when you, you poke that part of the brain. Yeah. It's really, yeah. Um, I mean, a lot of that's like hit and miss kind of, <laughs> kind of stuff, right? It's like, you know, what sort of basis is there? And I, I mean, I don't know the research, but what makes you think you can electrocute someone that much and expect them to firstly be okay? And well, then, he didn't. Yeah, well, that, that they wouldn't even die. Yeah, that's a, that's a question. <laughs> well, I guess he had to answer that question. Well, he that's, did it. That's just, the, you know, the bold pursuit of science, traveling into the unknown, well, maybe. <laughs> it's probably one of the worst examples of it. Well, jumping back to, to like mass, mass media and you know, experiments on the, the populace, mm. the, um, 
the number one experiment that's documented is the, the Orson Welles um, reading of the War of the Worlds, yep. the attack from Mars, which is back in 1938. Yeah, on and the radio. It was, it was a radio broadcast of, of an attack from Mars or an alien invasion. Mm. And I mean, the studies on this just, um, I mean, there's a lot of people that were scared shitless, like, you know, thought it was real. Yeah. And um, it, it's interesting. One of, the, one of the findings is that if they were to do that again, then people react, people would react no different. And, mm. and that's it's kind of like a, that's a pretty out there uh, accepted understanding. I mean, this opens up uh, possible false flag attacks. I mean, there's 9-11's being called a false flag attack just to see and, you know, see how the people react. It's like they're, they're going to follow suit. Um, you begin to wonder why or who um, would want to, in, want to inject that much fear into a, a population um, just for the sake of a, an experiment. Hmm. Sort of the same reason why they started doing lobotomies. Just for shits and giggles? Is that what you're saying? Um, well, I mean, it's easy to say so, but, um, I mean, controlling people, to, just to control people, mm. I, I think is, uh, I mean, that's just, a, it's an important thing of civilization. It's an important aspect of, of government and making sure everyone's following suit. Well, Otherwise, what would yeah, happen? Yeah, I mean, if you're in a position of control, if you're in a position of power, then it's in your interest to keep people controlled, keep them sedated, not ask the tough questions, not ask who, who they can't criticize or, or anything like that. Exactly. Yeah. I, I mean, you, you know that I'm, I'm a little bit crazy when it comes to these sort of ideas. Mm. And, you know, I think that it's more than just a, just a simple, oh, well, you know, they just want to keep us under control. Okay, what do you mean? Well, um, let's say, let's use the example of if... No, let's not. I'm not saying if the MK Ultra studies on mm. the on controlling the the populace. I mean, mm. obviously there was some kind of positive research, usable information, or okay. out of that. And if the if the government was able to utilize these solutions, do you think they're not solutions? Yeah, solutions to what problem? Or well, solutions to people thinking for themselves. <laughs> <laughs> the, like, t- the tricky problem of independent thought, yeah, that is a problem. Yeah, what, what would you, if, you're, if you're in control, you don't want that because that's a, that's a virus. Mm. Uh, okay, so we have people under control mm. and we want to keep them under control. So, you know, certain studies like the, the invasion from Mars was quite helpful. We could see that yep. we're, we're able to keep people. Um, that was Hadley C. Cantrell his investigation or his research on that case on the Orson Welles, War of the Worlds case. So we can see that by keeping people um, under fear, mm. where we're going to keep them under control, mm. which, um, I mean, that, that opens up perfect use of, um, of scare tactics, the, the use of, of a, a possible false flag event, such as a, a possible real alien invasion, whether it really is a, uh, aliens or not, but just mm. to seed the idea, you could, um, I guess, find prominent figures that are getting themselves out of control, and mm. uh, you know, mind manipulate, control them to start seeding the ideas of aliens wanting to control the, the banking system or terraform the planet. I don't know. There's, there's so many different ways to do it. I mean, I'm just saying, do you really think they're not <laughs> okay, doing something so right now? Okay, so what you're really saying is that Karen Hodes could actually be not crazy and not a whistleblower. She's actually a sort of covert Android. operative. She pretends to be a whistleblower, but her real goal is to inject the idea of aliens controlling the World Bank into public consciousness. Well, she didn't even want to do it. <laughs> they, re- okay, they replaced okay. her, but yeah, yeah, she's um, that's, what right. she, that's what she's done. So when Karen holds, when Karen Hodes blew the whistle, she was a regular person. Now she's switched out with a, a, an android changeling. Yeah, and if that doesn't work, she'll tell us that she's Jesus next week, <laughs> just to see how it goes, just to see how people react, uh, just to capture the market. 
All right. People waiting for that. Well, she, she's missed like the first mover advantage on that one, I think. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you, you know, there's always always room for competition. Yeah, okay. With, with these apparent who's, open markets. Who's the better Jesus? Who are you going to get your salvation from this week? <laughs> well, the, the question is who looks better in a dress? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Who looks better in the Turin Chowd? Well, Karen Hodes wearing the very fashionable Mark Jacobs Turin Chowd. My, my original um, thoughts on that were a little more in-depth and maybe maybe too, uh, too long for the next five minutes. Okay, but, I mean, we'll get into that, that another time. That's basically the, the gist of it. I mean, um, I wonder whether they're still... I mean, if we say, okay, there's a few examples of when people are going to be mind-controlled, they're going to step out of line and, you know, we've got to discredit people. I mean, like, that's a mm-hmm. really easy example because you can see people that fall into those categories. Yeah, a- anybody can do that at home with, uh, with an es- Etch-A-Sketch and uh, three tabs of acid. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm saying, you know, why, why can't you do that on YouTube? Okay, okay. Yeah. I mean, when we decided we were going to look up uh, MK Ultra and research, you know, some of the experiments, what they're doing, mm. there's so many crazy videos and, mm. you know, you, you watch a couple in a row and you wonder, like, am I getting mind-controlled right now? Mm. Like, are they, are they going to upset or trigger something and all of a sudden I'm going to become God? <laughs> Too late. Yeah, yeah. All they have to do is show you the right symbol on the TV and then boom. Apparently. <laughs> I'm the son of Jesus or whatever. Uh, well, another interesting video, which we, we, I showed you just now, was that um, the, the United States Broadcasting Service uh, or, the, or some TV station in the United States uh, in the 50s, um, when uh, TV, I think from, from when TV first started, they would close down for the night around 8 or 9 or 10 p.m. And they would show this uh the united states uh, national anthem and it, it wouldn't sing the lyrics there, there was no words except for the subtitles down the bottom and i'm still not entirely sure if this video if this footage is the veritable footage that was originally shown on tv back in those days but what happens when you watch it uh, you can see as the lyrics come up down the bottom, it's actually showing words behind it, uh, like just for a split second, and it'll show these other letters, which say stuff like trust the government, believe in government, God, uh, obey, consume, just like from they live. And at, at the end, it actually says MK Ultra and MK Naomi, which I, I don't know if you wanted to put a subliminal message into something. I don't know why you would put the name of a CIA project in there. That doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. <laughs> um, but it's an interesting piece of footage nonetheless. Well, I think the, the idea is in the right place. But um, I mean, my, my comments on that is like, how could they be so obvious, <laughs> even though I didn't see it the first time? Yeah, and it, well, when I showed it to you, that was slowed down. That was about half or a quarter speed. So, it, so looking at it at regular speed, oh, it's it's very difficult to see. It's impossible. Yeah, I mean, and especially when at, at this time there was no such thing as a VCR, so you couldn't rewind it and and play it back and watch it on slow mo. So everybody, if they watched it, they just watched it. You know, at the end of the night, they were probably already half asleep and not paying much attention anyway. And then you know those. Supposedly, those thoughts go into their brain <laughs> as they're just, going to sleep. Trust and trust the government. Trust the government. Trust the government, guys. Well, I I know they're still doing this today. <laughs> I, I, it's it's right there. I, the, the comment I made was about um, the Fast and Furious Seven. Like mm. you know, I went and saw it last week, and you know, you just you just want to zone out and watch an action movie. <laughs> um, but I, I can't watch an action movie anymore without without being confronted with propaganda yeah. and roughly uh, about halfway through there's a scene where they're all comfortable and you know the whole team's there and they're all chatting about you know the the episode that just happened mm. and um, there's a certain comment that's made by one of the one of the characters that's like don't worry I know I'm safe because you guys must be the government mm. On those lines, uh, I saw it in Spanish, so, you know, I'm paraphrasing. But it's like 
you wonder, like, did anyone else see that? <laughs> it's like it's see that bloody nonsense. And I, I, I saw Guardians of the Galaxy a couple of months ago. And even though it's a film about criminals and rebels and guys who break all the rules, somehow it still manages to, to have a pro-government message in there. Like basically they, they say, oh, we need to give this thing to the government because the government can take care of it. They're the only ones that can do it. Without proving that statement, there's no evidence in the film whatsoever to back that up. It's just what they assume and what they know. <laughs> Uh, kind of weird. So, but it comes out of nowhere. It's yeah, like there's no sign of, of government. You've got cars falling out of planes, and you know, there's no there's no speed limit control. There's, right. You know, it's like these cars don't even follow gravity. Yeah, <laughs> government's going to control, and you know, we're safe because you know, you guys are. Yeah, even in Fast and Furious universe where cars fall out of planes and survive and, and Guardians of the Galaxy where you can travel into into planetary, into solarly. Uh, government is still good, apparently. Um, no amazing. Um, but, uh, yeah, well, I call into question, like, if this sort of stuff is still going on today, I would say, okay, so so we have... We know they have the capacity to do this stuff. They've done the experiments and, and they still have this knowledge. Uh, we know more or less that they have the motivation. I mean, if the motivation existed then, spies still exist today. Um, government organizations like the NSA uh, spy on uh, other politicians from other countries like, like Angela Merkel, um, Chancellor of, the, of Germany. Um, and we have a historical precedent. So those three factors add up to say you probably should watch out who's giving you a coffee because it might have LSD in it. <laughs> I don't think we need to go that far. I, I think you should just watch well, what, you're, what you're watching. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's, a, that's definitely something you can do. Um, critically analyze things that you watch on TV because sometimes they'll try to sneak something past you and then you'll you'll draw upon that later thinking it's actually knowledge, but it was just television. Uh, so my name's Kurt Robinson. My name's Aaron Battle. We've been The Paradise Paradox. Uh, press like on YouTube, press subscribe, press comment, leave us an interesting story. Were you abducted by CIA operatives? And press like on Facebook, press subscribe on iTunes and Pocket Casts, uh, press the get notifications button on Facebook so you always get the cool news that we come up with and toss us a few bones at donate.theparadiseparadox.com, a suggested donation, one US dollar per episode that you like. So support the podcast, help us out, we'd really appreciate it and we'll see you next time. Peace. Hey guys, I just wanted to give you a final note before we finish up. I just want to say we love it when our audience reaches out to us when you comment on YouTube or on Facebook or send us a, a Twitter message or tweet something to us, tweet an interesting article to us. When you tell us what you like and what you would like to hear more of, we absolutely appreciate that. We appreciate having that connection with our audience. So we really love it when we see that people are posting the links to our website on Twitter and on Tumblr, on Facebook and other social media services. And of course, we also appreciate the donations that we receive on our website on donate.theparadiseparadox.com. And we don't just enjoy receiving the money because of course it's money and it's useful and practical. We also enjoy receiving it because it's a signal it's something that says, this is valuable to me. I enjoy these ideas. So even if it's a very small amount that you send to us, it still says to us that this work is important to somebody. And that is something we really appreciate because we appreciate knowing that our work is held in that high esteem by somebody. It really demonstrates to us that what we're doing is valuable and important and that people appreciate what we're doing. Every time we log into PayPal or blockchain.info and we see somebody is kind enough to give us a, a little bit of money or even a, a lot of money, 
uh, it really represents to us something something special. One final way that you can show support for the show without any extra cost to you is if you're going to buy something from Amazon, click on over to theparadiseparadox.com and press the link at the top that says Shop Amazon. That'll send you to a portal on amazon.com and that means whatever you buy, we will receive a small percentage of that and it won't cost you anything extra. You don't have to pay a premium for that, but it does mean you can exercise your support for this show and we really appreciate that as well. So thanks so much. Thank you for all the donations that we're receiving and all the support, everybody that's telling us uh, to keep going because that, that really does mean a lot to us. So thanks, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Press like on YouTube. Press like on Facebook. Subscribe on YouTube, iTunes, and Pocket Casts. Follow us on Twitter at BattleAZ at TroubleBubble and show your support at donate.theparadiseparadox.com. <laughs>